It's not as much about the chronology of when Jesus will come back. I think it's about the way that we have a relationship with time and the way that we have a relationship with eternity, that we see our souls as eternal, that the people around us have eternal souls, and that there's an urgency to the way that we live our life, not in a condemning way, not in a like beat people over the head with a Bible kind of way, but in the way that you prioritize your experience with God, the way that you prioritize the way that you are living your life as a representation as Christ's ambassadors in the world. Well, good morning, my friends. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I am so glad to be with you today. Really excited about the series that we've been in that we're wrapping up today called The Miracle Moment. And just uh, have had a few days off, um, took a little trip with my family and stepped away from all of the normal kind of hustle and bustle of the daily life. And I have to say, this is just one of my favorite things. And I'm really glad to get to be a part of your life, whatever that looks like, wherever you are. Thank you for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey. Um, You guys have been reviewing and sharing these episodes. And I think that's just a wonderful way to share your faith and to hopefully encourage someone in your life, maybe even someone that you don't know needs it. But they find, you know, you text them a podcast, which you can do straight from your phone, or you share it on social media, and it becomes something encouraging to them as well. So a couple of reviews from you guys. You've been leaving us reviews, which helps other people find the podcast as well. I love this one from DMS6610, says this podcast is the best one I've tagged all. I love the studies Nicole presents. Everyone is well thought out and relevant. Um, I love that. I'm glad that it's relevant. I feel like it's truly an injustice when the Bible doesn't feel relevant to your life because we know it's God's word and it's living and active and it's meant to penetrate into our thoughts and our feelings, our experiences, our perspectives, the way that we experience the world, the way we experience other people. So whenever that's not the case, I actually find myself a little fired up. I think that God has given us an amazing gift through his word. And when it doesn't feel that way, or we don't have maybe the tools that we need to experience the Bible that way, um, I just really want to work hard to do everything I can to make that better. So really glad. Um, Another one, BJ1937 says, so happy the spirit led me to this study. I am loving it. Um, I love hearing that too, because really it is God who goes before us and leads us into tools and um, hopefully teachers and books and resources that actually can help us grow in our faith. So love that stuff, you guys. Thanks for sharing. Keep reviewing, keep sharing. We will keep growing our little tribe of Jesus followers who are studying the Bible together. So we're going to do session six today, last session of the Miracle Moment. Um, As I've mentioned in previous weeks, this is my latest project that I um, am very excited about, the opportunity to really bring together theory and practice around the idea of healthy relationships and and really help walk you through how that truly is um, God's way. And that is the principles of scripture to lead us into places of more love, more joy, more courage, more truth 
in the way that we love ourselves, in the way that we love other people. That truly is the gospel message, is that Jesus has come to set us free from the bondage of sin. And in that freedom, we experience a new kind of love. And so The Miracle Moment is a trade book that you can pick up at any bookstore that is available and accessible to anyone, no matter their faith journey. But there's also a Bible study that goes with it that really leads you through the scripture and the concepts behind it. So this last few weeks has just been a little teaser, a little taste of that Bible study, which also has a video series on Right Now Media that goes with it. So if you've enjoyed this, if this is helpful to you, if you think that you need more help in this area, I encourage you to check out The Miracle Moment. Okay. Um, today I'm going to lead us into a passage that maybe just to kind of uh, talk about this transition from, uh, is this relevant to my life? And how is it relevant to my life? We're going to go into a passage that's a little bit, uh, takes a little bit of work to get through it, understand it. We're going to do that together. So it's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And I've titled this lesson, An Invitation to Integrity. Okay, so here's what integrity means, the definition that I've written down. Integrity is the alignment of emotions, words, and actions in the pursuit of a God-honoring life. Now, you can have integrity in the sense of alignment with your emotions, words, and actions um, and be a terrible person. You can be a greedy, um, slanderous, selfish person and be completely aligned in your emotions, words, and actions. But the kind of integrity I'm talking about today is God integrity, the emotions, words, and actions aligning in you in the pursuit of a God honoring life. So that means that we're all on a journey. We're all becoming more. There's always more uh, holiness, more righteousness, more sanctification ahead for us than where we are right now. But that's not a shaming or condemning or small way to see yourself. It's actually an expansive way to view your life. The fact that we're on a journey toward more and more Christ likeness, that God's calling us to that, uh, can be an inspiring thought. It's a visionary thought. For your life, and it plays out in the way that you experience your relationships. So let's read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 together, starting in verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people." Woo, okay. Okay. So we're going to start here. And let's just say you're having your morning coffee and you're like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. So let's go through the alive method. Question one, what does it say? Let's just make sure we know what it says. And obviously right there in the middle of the passage, verses two through four, really five, we've got this list of things, a long sort of terrible list of things that people can be, right? It says there will be terrible times in the last days. So I've underlined in the last days because of course I'm wondering, does that mean now? What does the last days mean? Lots of different thoughts upon that, but we'll just 
underline that for now. And then I'm just making a list of things that that people can be, right? Uh, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. So we start making that list. And first of all, we're, we're having to now reconcile and reckon with the idea that although God has called us to love, and although all people are made in the image of God, all people have been given the dignity and inherent worth of being made in the image of God, this passage is also opening up the idea that there are people out there who are living a certain way in their life, correct? Um, that creates terrible times. And that those people, not that they're not made in the image of God, but that they're living so far outside of God's way that this is the behaviors that are manifesting in their life. And then in verse five, we have this very, very sort of mysterious phrase. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Okay. So if you're paying attention and you're asking that question, what does it say? You should definitely be asking the question, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a form of godliness, but deny its power? And then we have this command from the the chapter that says to have nothing to do with such people, which also, again, can fly in the face of this sort of nice, I'm going to love everyone. Everyone's going to be nice and I'm going to be nice to everyone. And truly this masked form of pride that we can carry. And that form of pride we can carry says, if I can do life perfectly, if I can be perfectly loving, if I can be perfectly kind and good, then I'm going to get that in response. That if I'm perfectly kind and good, then people will respond in kind. And this passage is saying something very different, isn't it? It's saying, hey, there's going to be some people out there, no matter who you are, they're going to still be this way and that there's going to need to be boundaries in your life around people like this. It's just have nothing to do with such people. It doesn't say not to love them, but it it does create this boundary between the life that we're living and the life that others may be living. So I want to look for a second at this idea of um, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. But before we do that, let me go back to verse one really quickly. There will be terrible times in the last days is what it says in Second Timothy 3 verse 1. And what I want to point out here is that there's a lot of different philosophies around this idea of in the last days. But what we do need to definitely know is that Jesus clearly said, you will not know the time or place in which I return. But what does it mean the last days? So I look at my study notes in my NIV study Bible, and it says that the last days is the messianic era, the time beginning with Christ's first coming and it will culminate in Christ's second coming. So we know from other places in scripture that this concept of last days doesn't mean particularly like a clue that we're coming to the end of history. It means that there's going to be this season, this time between when Jesus first came and when Jesus comes back. And in that time, we're going to experience history. We're going to be living in this moment, as some theologians call it, the already and not yet we have already arrived in knowing that Christ is ultimately victorious and that we are victors when we are in Christ. But we're in the not yet where the war is not finished, the battle is not done, and we haven't yet seen Jesus' second coming. So what we need to know for the purposes of our time is that that concept of last days is that long period of time between Christ's first coming and whenever Christ comes again. So we're in that time. We're in that, that last days time. And this has been a 
stumbling block for Christians for many, many years, just centuries really, because um, definitely at the beginning of when Jesus was first resurrected and first ascended to heaven, there was this sense that he was going to come right back. Like, like we're, we're already like, oh, don't get married. Don't change your occupation. Like Jesus is going to come right back. And that feeling of Jesus coming right back has been kind of discouraging for some who've thought like, well, is this, did it not go the way it was supposed to go? Why has it been so long? But we know elsewhere in scripture, it says that a thousand years is like a day to our father in heaven and that Jesus, God is patient with us. He doesn't want to see anyone perish, but everyone come to repentance. And because of that patience, because of that idea of different um, way of seeing time, we shouldn't be surprised then that Time may feel long to us, but it is not long to God. And that God in his uh, ways that are higher than our ways, his thoughts that are higher than our thoughts, he is working out history in a particular way um, in his sovereignty that we don't fully understand and that we don't have access to. I mean, Jesus said people will be living their lives when he comes back. He will come like a thief in the night. We are not going to know that time, but we do need to be um, to, to carry the urgency of last days in our hearts and in our minds, in, in the way that we prioritize our faith, in the way that we experience our Father in heaven. If you've been around anyone who's older or you've had you know a few trips around the sun, you recognize that time can feel very dynamic in uh, the human life. That when you're with a, a two-year-old, it seems like you know for their life, a day might feel like such a long time. And if they're waiting for something like their birthday, you know, it can feel just like an eternal that day before their birthday. But then you get a little older and you have a few more years under your belt. And all of a sudden you're like, where did the time go? And so we experience time in very different ways in different, in different parts of our life. And, and people who are on sort of more the tail end of their life will often say, oh my gosh, life feels so short. So obviously um, it's not as much about the chronology of when Jesus will come back. I think it's about the way that we have a relationship with time and the way that we have a relationship with eternity, that we see our souls as eternal, that the people around us have eternal souls and that there's an urgency to the way that we live our life, not in a condemning way, not in a like beat people over the head with a Bible kind of way, but in the way that you prioritize your experience with God, the way that you prioritize the way that you are living your life as a representation, as Christ's ambassadors in the world. And that there are people in this long list from Second Timothy 3 who are going to be living very, very differently. And in verse 5, it says that having a form of godliness but denying its power. What an interesting phrase, have nothing to do with these people, it says. And when I flip back to 1 Timothy 2, I'm going to see a cross-reference to help me understand what this concept of godliness really means. And so it says here that we, the, that phrase, I'm actually going to start in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, okay? So it says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And then it goes on in verse three, this is good and pleases God, our savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to, a, to the knowledge of the truth. 
So here we have this tension, right? This paradox. Second Timothy three says, Hey, there's a list of kinds of people out there. They're going to have a form of godliness, but deny its power, have nothing to do with such people. And we've got to hold that against the tem- the tension of first Timothy two that says, Hey, God wants all men to come saved, be, be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So what does that mean for us when we're trying to live in integrity? I think this idea of having a form of godliness but denying its power is a really important part of the way that we discern good and evil in the world, the way that we discern uh, holiness and unholiness in people and in ourselves. And this idea of a form of godliness is this, is this concept of like, I'm going to live like my life is my own to live. Um, which this goes all the way back to the garden in Genesis when the enemy tempted Eve and said, if you eat from that tree, you will be like God. That the greatest temptation that we always face in life is to be the God of our own lives and to be the person who decides how to live our life. And this idea of having a form of godliness means like I have, I have taken on the power to live the life the way that I want, but I'm denying the actual power, the actual power of my father God who has set uh, the world to be in a certain way, has called me to live in a certain way. And so we have people out there in the world who are living just rash lives. We have people in our own close circles who are living rash lives, who are having a form of godliness, meaning they have the power to live life the way they want to, but they're denying the true godliness of the way that uh, life really works. And we're called to live in alignment and integrity with a God-honoring life. And this is where this balance that we've been talking about over the last several sessions of grace and truth comes in. How do I love people? Because God truly desires all men to be saved, but also how do I live in truth? And that grace and truth concept really comes together here, where we experience this tension that we're going to have to live in to have the discernment to ask the question, what does it look like to have nothing to do with a certain kind of people, but also to love people? How am I going to do both of those things? And this is where a life lived walking with the spirit truly comes into play. Um, I don't have the answer to that question for you. Probably you're thinking about someone right now and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I love my wayward child? How do I love my difficult coworker? How do I deal with the tension of this relationship or a contentious marriage or whatever it is that is your personal struggle? How do you find that tension point, that place, that balance point between loving people that God desires all men to be saved. And also these commands that say, Hey, when people are living a certain way, when they are having a form of godliness, but denying its power, don't have anything to do with them. And there isn't just one answer to that question. There really isn't. Um, But what there is, what we have in Christ is we have this invitation to be in the spirit to actually keep in step with the Holy Spirit who gives us specific direction for our life, to go to scripture and to wrestle through these things and to ask these questions and to bring those questions to God. 
to place that person that you're thinking of right now, right in the middle of that tension and to say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me to understand what grace and truth look like in this person that I am in a relationship with? God, are you calling me to a place of of speaking out the truth of what I might see in someone that I love? Are you calling me to a place to forgive, to, to be tender, to be encouraging, something in between God? Are you calling me to that? And all the time we see that that Jesus, as he walks through life, his number one desire is to be obedient to the Father. He doesn't just give us one principle or one way to live with people. He he calls people out sometimes, right? He's gonna he's gonna confront sin in their life. He's gonna confront ways that they're living that are outside of God's design for their life, right? But he's also gonna forgive and he's going to love and he's gonna engage and he's gonna lean in to all kinds of relationships. And we too are called as people of integrity to live in that tension point between really 2 Timothy 3 and 1 Timothy 2, that really there is a tension point between those two places where where we live our life. And integrity, once again, is the alignment of our emotions, words, and actions in the pursuit of a God-honoring life. So what does it all come down to at the end of the day? What it all comes down to is this idea that we are called to be people who do have a form of godliness, but don't deny its power. We actually live with this sense that God has called us to be his mouthpieces, to be his ambassadors. He's called us to be people who bring the gospel in not just our words, but in our actions, in the way that we love people, that God has given us the ability to forgive sin, that we we actually live a life of forgiveness, of repentance, of freedom. And in doing so, there will be some people who will come close, who will be attracted to that. There will be some people who will deny it, but integrity means that we stay in alignment with obedience to the Father. We don't live our lives from a place of saying, I'm going to judge my own sort of goodness or judge my own Christianity and how good I am at it based on how people love me back. We we live out of alignment with our desire to please the Father, to be obedient to God the Father, to seek every day in the scriptures um, how God's calling us to live, to lean into the Holy Spirit, to bring that person that's on your mind right now into the presence of God. I want to invite you to even do that right now, just to bring that person into the presence of God and to say to the Father in heaven who loves you, who desires to lead you, God, help me understand what integrity looks like in this relationship today. What are you calling me to today? What does love look like today? Love sometimes looks like speaking the truth. Love sometimes looks like forgiveness. Love sometimes looks like encouragement. Love is all those things. But the question about what God is calling you to is about leaning into what the Holy Spirit has for you today in this relationship. Not tomorrow, not next month, but right now. Integrity is the alignment of your emotions, your thoughts, your words, your actions in the pursuit of a God-honoring life. You're looking for miracles in your life. You want to experience miracle moments. Miracle moments happen first when you surrender your own way, when you surrender your own thoughts, and you come to the Father and say, God, I'm bringing nothing to you except for this person that I love and this question that I have for you. How then would you ask me to live today in a way that honors you? and loves this person. 
Guys, that's what I have to offer you through the miracle moment. I hope that's been helpful to you. I hope that you have a fantastic day. I'm going to have a few guests coming up in the next few weeks as we kind of reset and get ready for the fall. We're going to be studying the book of Romans together. I'm so excited. It's a perfect time to invite a friend in, and I will be talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleUnis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site, in today's show notes. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together, we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.